So let's take the poll. Uh, how many people prefer the hot coffee? Hot coffee folks? All right, anybody uh, cold, iced coffee? Um, Frappuccino, if you call that coffee stuff. Um, how many, like me, prefer uh, both hot and iced coffee, depending on the day and the mood? Anybody like that? Okay, now the big question. How many like lukewarm coffee? There's one in every crowd, I tell you. There's one in every crowd. The same illustration can be used in our life of faith. Barring the one outlier in the room, um, just as lukewarm coffee is no good, the, the lukewarm faith is equally as appalling. We, we face a real danger as the church today of becoming lukewarm Christians. With apathy running rampant in our culture, many choose to care about nothing rather than caring about anything or everything. With the overcommitment of our daily lives, our, our taxed schedules, sometimes we lose track of the things that are most important as our priorities shift and we react to the emergencies that continually spring up in our, in our lifestyle choices. We, with, all the, with all that entangles us each day, we, we run the risk of becoming lukewarm. We run the risk of merely playing church. Now, I, I use the term playing church to describe how sometimes we, we go through the motions with no real commitment. I know that describes none of you here today. Um, Craig Rochelle, the lead pastor of Life Church, calls this being a Christian atheist. In his book by the same title, Rochelle uh, describes a Christian atheist as someone who says that they believe in God, but live as though God does not exist. A Christian atheist goes to church regularly. They know all the right words to say. They know how to act around church folk. From the outside, the Christian atheist appears to be a strong Christian, but they are nothing more than a Christian atheist, someone who says that they believe in God, but act as though he doesn't exist. The struggle between our internal belief in God and the external expression and embodiment of that belief is a struggle that Christians in society today deal with. Have you ever felt as though who you are on the inside and what you believe doesn't match what you project on the outside? Have you ever felt like a Christian atheist? Have you ever felt yourself saying that you believe in God but live as though He doesn't exist? Have you ever found yourself in your workplace or in your social group or on the street acting as though or finding yourself saying to yourself, is this really who I am? Do you ever play church? I'll level with you. I have. At times in my life, I think that we all have if we're honest about it. Over the last four weeks, we've looked at different situations and events that infuriated Jesus, events and actions that took him to his boiling point, and today we're going to take a close and a close look at this serious concept of, of Christian atheism, of playing church, of becoming a lukewarm Christian. You see, Jesus responds to the lukewarm lifestyle of the people of the church of Laodicea with, with great anger and frustration. And we're going to begin today by looking at the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation is a complex book. I've heard it described as a mosaic 
where you find something different each time you look at it and, and, and deeper from every different angle that you perceive it. In the book of Revelation, we find letters that are written to churches that are penned by John, but that are dictated by Jesus. One of the messages that John wrote was to the church of Laodicea. So here now, Jesus' words to the church of Laodicea is recorded in Revelation 3, verses 14 through 6. Jesus says, write this letter to the angel in the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the, I am, is the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. So this is Jesus telling John, I'm telling you to write this letter. And Jesus says, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, exclamation point. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth, exclamation point. To understand the context and meaning of the intent of being hot or cold, we must understand the city of Laodicea's location and economy. I'm not going to tell you what spit you out of my mouth means. I think you understand that. But I am going to talk to you for a few minutes about the city and the economy. Are you excited for a history lesson? Yeah? Yeah, oh, I'm glad you're excited. Laodicea was one of, the most, one of the most wealthy cities in the Roman Empire in its time. It was widely known for its banking and for its medical schools and for its black wool production. But a significant issue that the city faced was that it didn't have an adequate water supply. There were pools nearby, hot springs, um, that were thought to have healing properties, medicinal springs. But the drinking water that the city had had to be brought into the city via an underground stone aqueduct system. And it had to travel several miles to get there from the hot springs. Because of the distance the water had to travel, by the time the water got to the city, it was tepid, dirty, stale, and lukewarm. Some things never change. Clean water is essential to healthy life. We all know what happens when we don't get clean water. Michigan has had its issues with water quality in the past. And we know the devastating effects that it has on kids, youth, and adults alike. Clean drinking water is essential for a community to thrive. Inadequate drinking water can destroy a community. The illustration that Jesus gives to John is one that the people of Laodicea would have understood completely. Hot water was a good thing because it could be used for medicinal reasons. Hot water was safe to drink because the impurities are killed. It's like boiling water to sanitize it. Cold water from a spring, cool and refreshing water is delicious and refreshing to drink. It's safe, but the lukewarm, stale and stagnant water that comes in the aqueduct system can be disgusting and it can make you sick. This is the context in which the people of Laodicea would receive Christ's letter. The people of Laodicea are not like hot water that can be used to heal, nor are they refreshing and clean like fresh spring water, bringing new life to the community. Instead, they are like stale, putrid, stagnant water, unsuitable for drinking. Because of this, Jesus is ready to spit them out of his mouth, as we might spit out lukewarm coffee. Well, all of us but one. I, th I think of the video with a girl um, 
bleh. Um, the image in my head is when you pick up a coffee cup uh, in the morning thinking it's that day's coffee when it was really yesterday's that you forgot to wash and you take a gulp and you're like, oh, it's a day old coffee. Bleh. Spit it out. Our first boiling point this morning is lukewarm living. Lukewarm living. Jesus tells John that he is going to spit out, spit out the lukewarm people of Laodicea. He says that he wishes that they were hot or cold. Choose one, be something. The lukewarm lifestyle of the people of the city caused Jesus to respond with disgust. Understand that it is not that the people were unproductive. It's not about productivity. Quite on the contrary, the people of Laodicea were well known for being highly productive. In fact, external history books record that the city of Laodicea financed the rebuilding of the city after an earthquake in 60 AD without any financial backing from Rome. That means their banking system was able to finance the entire rebuild of the city on their own. And their black wool production, tactile industry, provided the black wool for the majority of that area. They were well known for being highly productive and skilled people. Yet, Jesus is disgusted with these people, not because they're living unproductive lives. Jesus is infuriated because they've missed the point of their life. The people of Laodicea have become Christian atheists and are merely playing church. They're going through the motions. They're saying the right things. They're putting on the facade. But Jesus sees right through the facade. And when Jesus sees that their belief and their actions don't align, he gets angry. Oh, that you would be hot or that you would be cold, one or the other but you're neither. So Jesus says he's gonna spit them out. The issue for us today that we must reconcile is how do we become and remain hot or cold in our current culture, in our day today? And the coffee analogy works well. How do we as people of faith remain hot as coffee? or cold as iced coffee in our experience of faith as we walk with God? And the answer is preparation, growth, and fruit. The way that we prevent becoming lukewarm in our faith is by preparing our hearts, growing in our faith, and producing fruit in the world. And Jesus explains this in the beginning of Mark's gospel when he tells his disciples a story about seeds and ground. But instead of reading that passage today, we're going to take a moment and we're going to watch an animated version of it. So let's pause and watch this video. After Jesus taught this parable to his disciples, the disciples didn't understand what the parable meant. So Jesus pulled them aside from the crowd and he explained to them the meaning, the meaning of the story. And this is what Jesus said. The farmer plants seeds... By, by taking God's word to others. 
The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have Satan come along and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded, by the wor- crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much had, as had been planted. We are the soil in this parable, and the seed that is planted is God's word in our lives. Jesus warns us that in this teaching that there are some things that we must do to prepare and grow our faith. Sometimes Satan, life events, accidents take our hope away. In the case of the rocky soil in our life, if we do not grow in our faith and grow deep roots into true belief, we run the risk of becoming Christian atheists, people who say that we believe but live as though we don't. The depth of our faith, the roots that we grow provide the foundation that we stand upon. If we we don't grow deep roots, we cannot stand firm in the face of adversity. Jesus is clear that there are things in this life that will distract us and have the possibility of choking out our faith and relationship with God. Jesus used thorns or weeds to represent this danger. For the people of Laodicea, the thorns that ensnared them were their medical school, their tactile industries, their banking, their their busyness, their productivity and production. Jesus said, The worries of this life and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, these are the thorns that ensnared the Laodiceans. But they are also the trappings that often draw us into Christian atheism. But if the Word of God moves in a life that is ready to receive it, fertile soil, and the person grows deep in their faith, growing strong roots, Those roots provide stability. They provide a foundation. And with a stable foundation and fertile soil, you can produce great fruits in your life. And those fruits, those fruits are not your acceptance into heaven. They're not. But they're an evidence of your faithfulness, without which you are neither hot nor cold. So the question remains, How do we prevent becoming lukewarm Christians? How do we prevent ourselves from becoming Christian atheists who say that we believe in God but live as though God does not exist? So today I am going to give you three things that you can do right now that will prevent you from becoming a lukewarm Christian. Three things that will prevent you, will keep you from Christian atheism. These three things do not make the perfect equation. They're not perfect. However, they are effective, and they do work. A word of warning, they get progressively harder as we go. And the three things are prepare, grow, and mentor. 
the first thing we do is prepare. Jesus was clear in His teaching of the sower and the seeds that the quality of the soil is pertinent to production. Our hearts are the soil that God's Word is planted in. We must prepare the ground of our lives to receive God's Word in us. We cannot become hard-hearted or hard-headed. I heard that somewhere before. Or God's Word will bounce off of us as the seeds that fell on the walkway. We must prune out the weeds in our lives, the bad fruits or the fruitlessness I heard that somewhere also. So that God's word does not fall under the influence of those weeds. We must prepare our hearts like a field is prepared for sowing. Preparing our hearts is a challenge, but it's the easiest of the three. Start today by preparing your heart for God. But don't merely prepare your heart by coming on Sunday morning during worship and worshiping together, we prepare our hearts each day as we ready ourselves for God to work in and through us. Preparing your heart requires daily engagement. So read or listen to the Bible every day. Spend time in prayer, even if it's just moments, every day. Engage and connect in small group community. Prepare the soil of your life to receive God each and every day. The second thing that you can do today to prevent yourself from becoming a Christian atheist, a lukewarm Christian, is to grow. Growth is a physical process. For our bodies to grow, we require nutrients as our bodies physically change. When we grow spiritually, it is a physical and a spiritual process. We must take in spiritual nutrients, those same spiritual practices of scripture reading and prayer and small group engagement and worship participation and service in the name of Christ. The more we grow in our faith, the less likely we will be lukewarm. The less we grow in our faith, the more likely we will be lukewarm. You see, spiritual growth and Christian atheism are inversely proportional. What that means, that's a math term. That means that when one goes up, the other goes down. So the more, the amount in which you grow in your faith is the distance away from lukewarm Christianity that you'll get. So the more you grow spiritually, the less likely you will become a Christian atheist. The less you're growing spiritually, the more likely you will become a Christian atheist. Growth is hard because it takes more than merely showing up. Showing up is important. It's, a, it's where you start, but it doesn't mean that you're growing in your faith because growth takes work. Growth requires the exertion of energy. Growth is a physical and a spiritual process that requires energy usage and physical change. Growth is more laborious than preparing your heart because it involves recognizable change. The third thing that you can do today that will keep you far away from lukewarm Christianity is to mentor another person in your faith. Spiritual mentoring sounds like a scary term. I know. I saw like the look of horror on your face when I said that. But it really isn't. Because here's the fact. We cannot grow other people in their faith. I cannot grow your faith any more than you can grow mine. 
I can walk with you as you grow, and you can walk with me in my faith as I grow. But our spiritual growth is dependent upon our own work and our own interaction with God. Think about it this way. We don't make our kids better at particular sports, even though some of us think we do. That was a joke too. They do the work, right? Our kids have to do the work. They put in the time, they put in the energy, they have to practice. They have to develop the skills that they need to be successful. Yes, we give them rides to practice. Yes, we encourage them. Yes, if we can, we impart some secret knowledge that we had when we used to play the same sport because we know better than their coaches do. But their growth, their growth is completely dependent upon their ability to do it themselves. They have to do it. Mentoring someone in their faith does not mean that you have to have all of the answers about faith any more than supporting your child as they learn to play basketball makes you an NBA star. What it means is that you are willing to walk beside someone, committed to walk beside someone, not in front of someone dragging them along, not behind someone pushing them as they go, but walk beside someone as they walk their life of faith. as they learn and grow. And in the process, here's the cool thing about it, in the process of mentoring someone and walking beside them, we also learn and grow with them. Because that's the coolest part about it is there's always more to learn. And there's so much to learn as others learn and grow around you. Our ability to mentor another person in their spiritual life directly corresponds to our ability to staying either hot or cold for Jesus Christ. And this is the hardest and most challenging thing that you can do. It is hard to mentor someone when you struggle to know what you truly believe. I understand that. And that's why it's the most challenging step. So there are many ways that you can start today mentoring someone. So here's a quick list of examples to get you thinking. This is not an extensive list. It's just some things to help you think. Um, volunteer to be a shepherd in Kingdom Kids. And help in, one of the youth, help in one of the youth ministry programs. There's a variety from Bridge 56 to Crossover to Youth Group. There's a ton of ways to mentor young kids there. Sponsor a kid in the confirmation class that's coming up this fall. Form and lead a life group. Volunteer at Open Table. Serve on an outreach team. Form an accountability group with your peers at work, at church, at McDonald's. I don't care where you're at. Become a faith coach to your neighbors, to your neighborhood kids. Find a place to mentor other people in faith. Because here's the fact. The world is full of sports coaches, tutors, and teachers. What the world needs most, hear this please, what the world needs most is good spiritual mentors with godly character who are willing to walk beside people as they grow. Because so many of us are willing to shoot hoops with kids, but we're unwilling to say, you want to pray together first before we do? And that'll change the world. That'll change the world. If you truly desire to remain hot or cold in your faith, prepare your heart, grow each day, and mentor someone in their faith. Remaining hot or cold is not easy, but Jesus never said following him would be. In fact, he told his disciples that they needed to count the cost 
Count the cost of this discipleship thing. Count the cost of this building of faith before you start to build it. Jesus' way is not the easy way. But I guarantee you, it's the most life-giving way. Today, I'm gonna invite you to look at your life. Ask yourself, are you hot? Are you cold? Or are you lukewarm? Because it's not too late. Lukewarm coffee can be fixed. It can be fixed. All you gotta do is pop it in the microwave or throw some ice cubes in. Either way, it can be made right again. Prepare your heart, grow in your faith, and consider mentoring someone today. Because Jesus said, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish, I wish that you were one or the other. It's time to heat it up or cool it down, folks. Don't spend another moment, not one more moment, being lukewarm. Not one more moment having a lukewarm faith or life for Jesus Christ. Choose today to be boiling hot or ice cold for Christ. Let's pray. God, we don't want to be lukewarm anymore. Work within us and show us the way to become hot or cold for you. Give us the courage to prepare our hearts and lives for you. Work within us so that we would grow to become all that you've created us to be. Give us the strength to step out in faith and to lead, mentoring others in your name. Thank you for meeting us where we are, and thank you for loving us enough to never leave us the same way that you found us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, and everyone said, amen.